0: Alright, does everyone know what a Saturday box is? Yes. Who doesn't? Who doesn't know what a Saturday box is? Okay, so you weren't here last week. Well, you never know what a Saturday box is. But uh, maybe one day you'll find out. But, because there are people here that weren't here last week, I do love a recap. <laughs> I do love a recap. Let's uh, let's have the PowerPoint. Um, before, before we... Uh, Open God's word. First of all, get your Bibles, so you're ready to open God's word, or your phones or whatever it is. It will be on the screen as well. Um, but don't make the mistake. I was writing in my journal this morning, and I just apologized to the Lord, because I said, "Lord, I'm sorry when I judge you by my own standards, you know I, I imagine God forgiving the way I forgive. I imagine having God having patience to the limit that I have patience. Don't make the mistake as we read about God's love for you. Don't make the mistake of thinking, well, God loves the way I love, you know? And so you can't imagine God loving you more than the way you would love or forgiving you more than the point that you would forgive at and things like that. Don't make the mistake of kind of limiting God's love for you in your own kind of own eyes and the way you actually understand what mercy is. Because your mercy has a limit, doesn't it? where, Where God's love is limitless. Okay, let's do a recap. Last week we looked at two main passages, and the first one was the first three verses of Isaiah 55. It says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you might live. Now, should we should we give those that weren't here last week uh, the opportunity to work out what these things might be referring to? So, when God says, "This is God speaking," by the way, when God says, "Come to the waters," who might the waters be? Hmm. So we'll help, we'll help you out. The Holy Spirit, we worked out from scriptures that the waters normally refer to the Spirit, who is the living water. The water that Jesus said would well up inside you in your innermost being. So come to the Spirit and drink. And then it says, come and buy wine. And we worked out that wine is probably either the blood of Jesus, Jesus said this is my body, when he gave him the wine. Okay? Or it could be the new wine. New wineskins, skins. Be filled with new wine, meaning the Holy Spirit, okay? So come and buy wine and milk. Milk, Scripture says, the word of God is the, the milk of Scripture. Come and drink the milk of the word. So God is saying here, when it comes to himself, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to the blood of Jesus... When it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to Jesus Christ himself, oh yeah, who was, who's the bread represent? Jesus said, I am the living bread, the bread that's come down from heaven. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the, the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, Father, and Jesus himself, I don't think God could make it any clearer than he can in these first three verses. He says, come, come and seek, come and buy, come and drink, come and eat, come and listen, Listen, give ear, listen and listen. That's what he says about himself and the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the blood of Jesus and Jesus Christ. Okay? Do you get the picture? Linda? I see that they made a tree out of the water. the tree of life. Yeah, there is, isn't there? There's a the tree of life that Adam and Eve were able to eat from until... Sin separated them. But guess who gets to eat from the tree of life again? Us. Because of the blood of Jesus waiting for us, is it? In the garden. Okay. Then we turn to Revelation chapter 3. One of the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches. He dictated this letter. Um, and we looked at the similarity between Isaiah 55 And what Jesus says here in Revelation, he's speaking to the church in Laodicea. And it says, he says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, meaning himself. In every letter, he describes himself in a different way that scripture, normally Old Testament scripture, has described him already, okay? I know your deeds, he says to these Christians, that you are neither cold nor hot, I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, we noted that the city of Lo- 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 someone help me Laodicea. We noticed that the city of Laodicea actually didn't have their own source of water; they imported water. Now, they either imported imported water from where, Mike? Hi- Hierapolis. Hierapolis, isn't it? They either imported the mountain town of Hierapolis had hot springs, volcanic hot springs. They either imported hot water from there, probably via viaduct, okay, or they imported cool water from nearby Colossae from their springs. They had, they had natural fresh springs. But by the time they imported cold water from Colossae or hot water from uh, Hierapolis or Hierapolis, what happened to it? Was it hot? Was it cold? No, it was lukewarm by the time it got to Laodicea. Okay? Neither body of water, whether it was originally cold or originally hot, by the time it reached Laodicea, ended up representing its true source. And just like these Christians H2O, their water in Laodicea, Jesus is informing these Christians in this church that their spirituality has also ended up lukewarm. Neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. But it's lukewarm. Despite their born-again nature, if you're a Christian, you need to be born again. There's no such thing as a non-born-again Christian. Okay? If you're a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit Dwelling inside you, this amazing living water. But somehow these Christians have ended up not representing their true source. They're lukewarm. To be neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm Christian means they're too far from their source. Geographically, they're not. The Holy Spirit is in them. But spiritually, There's a distance. And they're actually not representing their source, their relationship with Jesus, because there's a spiritual distance. The closer you are to Jesus, the more likely you are to be like him, representing him. What else did Jesus say after he said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth? He said this, uh, verse 17. You say... I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Now, Laodicea, as we heard last week, had a booming economy at that time, so maybe these Christians were fairly wealthy, fairly middle class, maybe, cruising in the middle lane of Christianity. But Jesus says, But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Oh dear. So what? should these lukewarm christians do well here's what jesus says and this is why it's similar to isaiah 55 because jesus says here i counsel you to buy from me and last time we discussed what do we have to buy from jesus because it's not money he says those who have no money come and buy from me what do we have that we are given its heavenly pocket money your abba father when you became a christian the bible says each christian has given, been given a measure of faith he's given you this faith it's your heavenly currency your pocket money now what are you going to do with that are you going to buy from jesus okay with your pocket money it's up to you how you spend it and according to hebrews eleven six, faith Your faith that he's given you that pleases God firstly believes in God and secondly earnestly seeks God. That's what faith is, believing in God but not just staying there, earnestly seeking him. So to earnestly seek God is to come to the Father, to drink from the Holy Spirit and to eat from Jesus. And that takes your faith. Like I said last time, if your body is really stressed out, if you're struggling with life, if you're really busy, the last thing your body wants to do is be still and know that he is God, which is what the Bible says, isn't it? To stand, as we heard this morning. That's the last thing your body wants to do, do nothing or to stand or be still and know that God is God. That takes faith, doesn't it? I like to think that faith is getting your body and your soul to come in line with the truth of God that your spirit already knows, your three beings, or three in one, sorry, your spirit, soul, and body. And I believe your spirit, connected to the Holy Spirit, already knows, already agrees with God, already knows the right thing to do. He knows the Bible says, be still. But your soul, the bit that worries about things, the bit that's stressed, and your body that's all worn out, your soul and body doesn't agree. So when we can actually get our faith to say to our spirit and our, our soul and our body, come on, do what God says. That's spending our faith. That is faith. It takes faith to do that. And as we read last week, Jesus promised those who believe in him in john 7 shall receive the holy spirit who will produce this amazing living water in their innermost being springs of living water will well up you won't have to rely on imported stuff secondhand stuff someone else said this you know someone else's testimony what does it say in the bible in that day they will all know me does it say that i don't know where anyone know where that is is that Isaiah 2? In, is in that day they all know me, or Joel, or something? The Bible tells us that when we receive this amazing indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our innermost being, it says the Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit. That's Romans 8.16, if you're making notes. The Holy Spirit testifies to your spirit. So if you're born again, there's something truly glorious happening in your spirit or I should really say there's someone glorious happening in your spirit the Apostle Paul referred to this mind-boggling truth as this, we'll see on the screen Colossians 1.27 this is how the Apostle Paul described it, the glorious riches of this mystery, this is a mystery which is Christ in you The hope of glory. This amazing rich mystery the world cannot understand because it neither sees him nor knows him, Jesus said, didn't he? Christ in you. And it is Christ in you who wants you to use your faith to buy from him. For a Christian to be lukewarm, it means they're living off of imported. Second hand spirituality. The cure for being lukewarm is by faith draw near to God to buy, drink, and eat directly from him. Okay? So what does Jesus want a lukewarm Christian to use their faith to buy from him? Well, if we go back to our, our uh, Revelation 3, it tells us, it says, I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich. Not rich like the Laodicean people who are wealthy in money terms, but truly rich In their relationship with Jesus. Do you know gold can only be refined by intense heat? Do you know lukewarm won't refine gold? You need to get close to the fire to be refined. If you're not being refined, that means that you're too far from the fire, too far from the heat. If you're lukewarm, it means you're not close enough. To the fire to be refined. You know, there's only one person who's supposed to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's not you. (laughs) You're not supposed to be the same yesterday, 10 years ago, as you will be next year. You're supposed to change. Yeah? Who are you supposed to change like? Jesus Jesus, Christ in you, your Savior. You're supposed to change. And that's called being refined. Okay. If you're lukewarm, it means you're not close enough to the fire to be refined. If you're still the same yesterday as you were whenever and whenever, it means you're not being refined. It means you're too far away from the source of heat to refine you. And where or who does this refining fire come from? Well... He's given us a clue up there, hasn't he? Buy from me. Okay. Now in Matthew 3.11, which is on another slide. Matthew 3.11, this is John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And it was Chris who mentioned it last week during or at the end of the worship time. He says, Jesus, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this refining fire that refines gold... Is from Jesus. Now, amazingly, lukewarm Christians can, if they choose, use their faith to buy from Jesus this refined gold of transformation by the Holy Spirit, the holy fire that He's placed in them. This richness of refined gold is when we draw close to Jesus and His baptizing fire is able to bring the dross or the impurities. Do you know how they refine gold? It heats up so much and all the slag, all the rubbish, all the impurities flows to the top. And then when it's cooled down, you can just knock it off or you know, bash it in cracks and you can just um, brush it away. And underneath, pure gold. Okay. This richness of refined gold is when we draw close to Jesus and his baptising fire is able to bring the dross, the impurities of ourselves to the surface. It's a painful process when Jesus starts to talk to you about something, when you draw close to him. No, Lord, I want to talk about this. And Jesus says, well, actually, first, should we deal with this? Oh, no. And you go and do something else. And really, he's refining you. Some dross is painful. Some impurities, they're bad, aren't they? They're memories that we don't like to think of or experiences or habits, whatever it is. And as we do, the more and more we get free, the more and more we become more like him in our character, the one who we're beholding. Which leads us on to our next scripture. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, It says, and we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. It's like when you become saved, when you step out in your first faith to respond to the gospel, suddenly things become clear, spiritually discerned. The Bible says the world cannot see these things and understand these things of the Spirit because they're spiritually concerned. They're not concerned, discerned. But then when someone comes to Christ, they get saved suddenly they get a new spirit inside them born again the holy spirit comes to live in them suddenly they begin to see things like lot of veil is being lifted taken away we all with unveiled faces contemplate the lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the lord who is the spirit so as we behold the lord's glory christ in you the holy spirit in you We're being refined like gold, transformed into the Lord's image, who is the Holy Spirit in you. And where is this Spirit? In us. Okay, John 14, just for your confirmation, really. John 14, Jesus speaking, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Basically, I've been with you as the advocate. I'm going away, I'm going to send one like me to be with you to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you just more confirmation that jesus says the holy Spirit's going to be inside you christ in you the hope of glory now i also want to encourage you that Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to be in you, but he's also going to be with you. And one of the wonderful ways the Holy Spirit can be kind of like concretely with you is when you pick up your Bible. I want you to consider your Bible as the Holy Spirit with you. He wrote it through human authors or through human writers. He authored this, not this, this is just my notes. He authored that. The Bible. So, as well as the Holy Spirit being everywhere and working, the Holy Spirit is definitely in His Word. Okay? As well as being in you. So, when you seek God's will, seek it in His Word and in you at the same time in unison. Okay. So, when it comes to being near enough to Jesus to be refined in His fire, a lukewarm Christian does not have a geographical distance problem like Laodicea had they had to go and import stuff their water you don't have a geographical problem finding this fire this refining fire buying it from Jesus he's closer to you than your own skin you have a spiritual issue okay which requires faith action basically doing what God said alright okay So now, for now, what? Wait, sorry. We'll be talking about more about how to do this in a minute. But for now, what else should we buy from Jesus? Well, the next thing he says is gold refined in the fire, so you become rich, rich in your relationship with him, and white clothes to wear, so that you can cover up your shameful nakedness. Okay. Now, elsewhere in Revelation, explains that these whiter-than-white clothes, these Daz clothes, represent righteous acts of God's holy people. Okay, that's what the clothes represent, these righteous acts of God's holy people. So Jesus says, you can buy from me white clothes to wear. Literally, righteous acts. We can all do good deeds... But when a Christian is rich in their fellowship with Jesus and he's refining them like gold, they find themselves more and more in the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing, or the right way, basically, which is a righteous act. Okay? Acts of obedience to God. I'll show you the difference in a minute. Okay? Jesus referred to this righteous living, being led by the Spirit, being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way, which is righteous acts, he described it like this in Matthew 6. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay? Where do these... Where does this storing up of undestroyable and unstealable things in heaven stem from? All right. Do you remember the incident of Mary and Martha? Okay. Many of you do from Sunday school, from reading your own Bibles. But was Martha, Martha was the one in the kitchen cooking and things like that. Was Martha busy doing good? Was Martha doing good? Any, any men? Was Martha? <laughs> yes, of course. Martha was doing good. Martha was, well, she, she was preparing food for Jesus and his guests. She was providing a service, being hospitable, being generous, and serving others. All of these things are noble and kind acts, aren't they? Yeah? Martha was doing good. It may have appeared to onlookers, particularly in that culture, that actually it was Mary who was sitting down near Jesus. It may have been, appeared that Mary, who was the one not doing good. Okay, could you, could you see that, potentially? She's not helping, the only other lady in the house, you know, striving away, and there's Mary leaving it to it. Martha's the good one. Now we know that Martha and maybe others too thought that it was Mary who was being selfish and neglectful in that moment, prioritising listening to Jesus rather than being more practical. Yeah? However, from heaven's perspective, where Martha blew her top a little, which she did, didn't she? Jesus, don't you care? And she pointed it out. What did Jesus say? said this didn't she or no he said this sorry Jesus said Martha Martha the Lord answered you are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed or indeed only one Mary has chosen that which is better and it will not be taken away from her remember what Jesus said about storing up treasure yourself in heaven that will not be stolen will not rot away it'll be lasting forever this is where it all stems from Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Right there, Mary, and not Martha, was storing up treasures in heaven that could not be taken from her. Is that that true? Do you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Mary was buying from Jesus, and Martha wasn't. Is that true? Yeah? Does that hurt? Yeah? Yeah? It does sound harsh, doesn't it? Jesus was physically near both sisters, meters away. But in that moment, only one was spiritually near him and doing a righteous act. Agree? And shockingly, it wasn't the one who was being seen to be working hard for Jesus. I'm sure if Martha had chosen to check in with Jesus at the start, or even halfway through, she would have been saved a whole lot of stress and ended up feeling like her sister and Jesus didn't care. When you're in a Martha situation, it takes immense willpower to use your faith to pause and check in with Jesus, doesn't it? Obviously, Martha could have checked in with Jesus at any point because she was only meters away from her. He was in her house. But is it possible for you to check in with Jesus at any time? Yeah? Hope so? <laughs> so I'm just checking I haven't missed anything. Since he sent the Holy Spirit, he's less than meters away from you, isn't he? Spiritually and geographically. Now we've only just read in the, in this morning that Jesus said he will send another advocate to be with you and even in you. Now the word advocate also is translated as helper, comforter, counsellor. The Holy Spirit has come in you to be the counsellor, the helper, the teacher, the comforter. And the Apostle Paul described this personal practice of checking in with Jesus in you as setting your mind on what the Spirit desires with the intention of your mind becoming governed by the Spirit, Okay, which Paul says leads to life and peace. That's Romans 8, if you make making notes. And when we check in with Jesus, which we can do at any time, 24-7, he can personally sympathize with all the pressures you experience and more. Which is probably why Jesus himself chose to frequently spend time alone with the Father, probably buying from the Father exactly what he's now selling to us, offering to us. Jesus has been there. So as well as gold of refinement we can buy from Jesus, and garments of righteous acts we can buy from Jesus, knowing what to do, and doing the right thing that God wants you to do, not what the world wants you to do, what other things. What else can we buy? Okay. And salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Jesus is talking about spiritual seeing as well as physical seeing Jesus said to these lukewarm Christians to any lukewarm Christians that they saw themselves one way and yet he saw them in a completely opposite way they saw themselves as wealthy and needing nothing but he saw them as poor, blind, wretched, naked and something else they got the view of themselves so wrong? The truth is that lukewarm eyesight tends to increasingly see things from a worldly perspective rather than the heavenly perspective. When we drink and eat from the world more than we eat and drink directly from God, we tend to reflect that which we're mainly feeding on. In my personal Bible reading this week, I noticed in chapter 5 of Isaiah, there's a bit where God says that people were benefiting from the wealth and fruit of the land. They were were doing all right. A bit like these these Lotusian Christians. We're wealthy, we're okay. But God says, you have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and no respect for the work of his hands. You're using the land, you're drinking all the wine, you're building houses, it's been really good to you but you just don't see my hand in it. You don't recognise what I'm doing and what I've done. But then, in the next chapter in Isaiah 6, you have the angels who see things from a heavenly perspective, and the angels are praising God, and they're saying, the whole earth is full of his glory. So the humans don't see his glory, but the angels say that the whole earth is full of God's glory, if you can see it. Jesus' salve that he offers to, for you to buy from him helps a believer to see God, the world and their circumstances more and more from a heavenly perspective. Less whinge and more worship. Less worry and more wow. You know? Once time. In Luke 10, where are we going? Should we make it into a part three? Or we'll stop in a few minutes. In Luke 10, this is what Jesus says, No one knows the Father except the Son, and to those to whom the Son has chosen to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said, Privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see as well as being refined as gold and led in righteousness, when we use our faith to buy from Jesus and eat with him, we also begin to see what he wants us to see, to see things from his perspective. And probably the greatest view we have is when Jesus reveals the Father and we get to see the Father for ourselves. When you get to be still, when you get to use your faith to read the Bible, even if you've had such a stressful day, when you get to drink from the Holy Spirit in you, and we'll learn more how to do that in a bit, or another day. But when you do, you begin to know God for God. You begin to know the Father yourself, and not just secondhand Lukewarm. Jesus said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And probably the greatest thing you can see is when you begin to see the Father, who he really is. Remember that faith that pleases God is not just believing that he exists, Hebrews 11.6, which is a good start, but it's also equally believing that he rewards you for earnestly seeking him. And what is the reward for earnestly seeking God? Well, we know it's definitely gold, garments and salve, but ultimately, what is the reward for seeking God? Well, it's the same thing that the Lord assured Abraham when he said, next slide, please. In Genesis 15, 1, he told Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. The greatest thing you can do when you use your faith to buy from Jesus is more of Jesus, knowing Jesus, knowing the Father knowing the Son, knowing the Holy Spirit. That is your greatest reward. And that is exactly what Jesus described eternal life is in John 17 when he prayed. What did he say? Eternal life is this, that they may know you, Father, and they might know me, the one you sent. That is your true purpose and calling, to spend your faith on knowing God and let him direct you and shed his light on everything else. A Christian who gets to know God gradually finds out that intimacy with God brings intricacy from God do you Do you know what I'm kind of trying to say? Intimacy with God brings intricacy. Realizing and seeing that God is working on pr- the minutiae of your life. Suddenly you can see him, and there's more wow" than worry. Doesn't mean you don't worry. doesn't mean life isn't rosy, Life is rosy all the time. But you suddenly get to realize that even in the valley of the shadow of death moments, you literally feel or see or realize that his rod and his staff are there and they're comforting you. Intimacy with God brings intricacy from God. Whether it's you're more aware of it or whether you just get more of it. I don't know. Scripture argues for the fact that if you're intimate friends with God, you get more. He can do more. Okay. We'll get to my favourite bit another time. If you go to the next slide, I think, my favourite bit is the Jesus knocking at the door bit. Okay, we'll we'll work out. Next time we'll learn how to open that door and eat with him and he with us. For now, we just realise that it's important. It's what you are made for. Intimacy with God. Eating from Jesus, buying from him, drinking from the Holy Spirit. Now we've covered a lot of ground. I just want to give you a few moments in silence. Hopefully along the way we've been getting flashes of how we might implement ways of buying, drinking and eating from the Lord. The Lord knows your heart. He knows your schedule. He knows your quirks. Let's spend a moment now being still and giving him the opportunity to impress upon you something that he knows would help you begin to incorporate in your life something that will help you Buy, drink and eat from him. Abba Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. We've read your word today. We've heard your call. We don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be like the source. We want to be close to the source. We want to use our faith to come and drink, to come and buy, to come and eat, to be refined, to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way, to receive the salve for our eyes so that we can begin to see more and more from your perspective. Jesus Christ in us, please bring to our minds now something that we could begin to implement in our lives to buy, eat and drink from you.